Good morning, Brighton Road. Welcome to Sunday Worship. Glad to see you here. Glad to see you joining us online. Lord Jesus Christ. Come on. very open, very friendly, very informal. Do have a word with me this morning or sign up on the website. There is still space to come to Alpha this Friday. Next Sunday afternoon, four o'clock, if you're new to Brighton Road, join us in the past six months or so. Coffee and pastries in the main hall. <laughs> Mike and I would be very pleased to welcome you. Just for those of you who couldn't hear that because we weren't on, coffee and pastries next Sunday afternoon in the main hall. If you're new to church, join us in the past six months. Michael and I would be delighted to welcome you there. Alpha this coming Friday. Uh, my house, seven o'clock, meal, discussion, finding out about Jesus, informal, friendly, still space. Please let me know if you would like to come. You would be very welcome at either or both of those events. Our call to worship is on the screen. If we can join together in saying the words in yellow, please. Taken from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. God's praise endures forever. Let's stand and sing together, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King.
wisdom, wonder, love in you. Lord Jesus Christ, we find in you healing, truth and goodness. And Holy Spirit, we find in you power, cleansing, enabling. And Lord, we thank you that you welcome us and we embrace you and all that you have to give us, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We lift our hearts to you this morning in awe, in reverence and in humility. Amen. God of glory, we exalt your name. boast in the Lord, let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at him, look to him, are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This 
poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I'm going to invite you to listen to a testimony. It's by a guy called David Mitchell. He's director of music at Holy Trinity Pro Cathedral in Brussels. It's a remarkable story. Um, it comes from the Expository Times, which I take to be a, a responsible source, and I have no reason to disbelieve what he says. He's Scots, so I've asked Ken to read his story to us. Thanks, Ken. Put on my best Scottish accent. <laughs> the piece is entitled, And Finally, Deliver Us From Evil. When I was 21, I had a summer job with a landscape gardener in my hometown in the west of Scotland. It was a cowboy outfit. The boss cheated the customers and the workers stole from the boss. Once I was sent with two such workers to do the gardens in a new housing scheme. I was the driver. When we arrived there, I saw them eyeing up some building materials on the site, and I could see they planned to steal the stuff. So at the end of the day, it was no surprise when I came back to the van and it was filled with stolen stuff. I told them, take it out. I am not driving away with it. Amazingly, they did what I said. But driving back, they were boiling. What is it to you? they asked. I said, the Bible says, you shall not steal. They jeered at me, and they cursed me. Just you wait, they said. We're going to put you in hospital. I was a bit concerned about this. A little bit of an understatement, perhaps. And that evening, I read Psalm 34, where the Lord says his angel will defend us from those who seek our harm. Well, a week later, I found myself strangely alone at the depot late on Friday afternoon. They screeched in on a truck with two friends. They were red-eyed drunk, Four against one wielding planks, they came for me like a flood. Into the tool shed, you! There were a lot of sharp tools in that tool shed. I ducked into the office, seconds ahead of them. I hoped the secretary might just be there. But instead, a man I'd never seen was standing at the counter. An ordinary-looking Scottish working bloke, about 45 years old, just standing there, doing nothing. He looked at me and smiled, and I found that strangely reassuring. I stood beside him and said, No one here? He smiled and nodded as if to say, I didn't see. So I stood with this silent man, 
Outside, my would-be assailants raged up and down, yelling at me to come out. I saw them looking in the big glass window, but it was as if they couldn't see me. And they didn't try to open the door. I told my silent companion, they're after me. He smiled again and nodded. I could see he knew they were after me, but he didn't ask why. I stood there for some 20 minutes. The man stood quietly, in no hurry, as if waiting for no one. I said, will I go out and see what they want? He smiled and shook his head as if to say, I wouldn't do that. So I stayed with him. Finally, my enemies drove away. After five minutes, I said, I think I can go now. He smiled and I said goodbye, got in my car and left, leaving him there, all alone, waiting for no one. At the time, I didn't think much about this man. But looking back, I think he was more than an ordinary man. And there it ends. David Mitchell unpacks later on in that account why he thought the man might be an angel there all by himself in a deserted place for no reason whatsoever, apart from just to stand and wait until his attackers had gone. He says it was something about the look in his eyes, not the way you might view a stranger, but a look that communicated, you're precious to me, you matter to me, I'm going to take care of you. The sense of peace there was about him, and the fact that he just waited in silence until the would-be attackers went away. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him and delivers them was the verse that he had in mind when he prayed. And for David Mitchell, he regarded that event as an answer to prayer, as God sent his angel to protect him from those who would attack him because he stood up for his faith and what was right and what was true. Let's stand together and sing through all the changing scenes of life in trouble and in joy.
And we continue to look at Psalm 34 in a responsive reading. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from turning lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We're going to bring prayers of concern on the back of that psalm to God and we're going to intersperse our prayers with the group singing to us, Be still and know that I am God. Let's spend a moment in quiet. The Lord says, Be still and know that I am God. Gracious God, in the quietness of your presence, we lift to you those whom we love, praying for your presence with them and your protection around them. We pray for people whom we find hard to love, but who are loved by you. We pray for those who are happy that they might recognise you as the source of their joy and rejoice in that. We pray for those in pain, for your presence to be with them and your hand of healing upon them. For those who are in the depths, that at rock bottom they might find that you are the rock beneath them and that you never let them go. All these people known by you and loved by you. We commit to you the God of their salvation. And may we and those for whom we pray hear and embrace your promise. I am the Lord that healeth thee.
God of healing and peace, we pray for a world so often in turmoil, caught up in fear and war, injustice, where the vulnerable suffer neglect and persecution, where there is so much that is wrong. We lift to you our sense of outrage at the Hamas attack on Israel back in October last year and the, the fallout from that in terms of lives lost in Gaza since. But we want to pray as well this morning for Christians in Nigeria, for the violence they suffer which goes largely unreported and ignored. Hundreds of attacks over the past year, thousands killed, hundreds more abducted. Their plight that never makes our headlines. Christians have had to flee their homes. Others can't access their farms. And Lord, as our hearts were warmed at the story of the man who received protection from you, we recognise that others pay with their lives and their blood for following you. So we pray for strength for Christians in Nigeria who've suffered such immense persecution at the hands of terrorists for many years now. Help those who've been bereaved. Be the God of healing to those injured or traumatised by acts of terror. Provide for those who've been displaced by the violence. We pray that the perpetrators would come to repentance and put down their weapons. We pray that somehow that those who are in the midst of destruction and turmoil and danger would find your presence with them, your angel camping around them. Yet, Lord Jesus, remember that you said that those who lost their lives, not a hair of their head would perish, and we can't get our heads around that. But we pray for your protection and your presence with those whose lives are in danger because they follow Christ. And as we reflect on the freedom that we've been given, help us to live our lives well for you. To make common cause with those who seek the well-being of others. And maybe use the freedom we have wisely to nurture what is good, to guard against what is wrong. Lord, would you be our fixed point in a changing and uncertain world. Help us to say, O oh Lord, in thee, O oh Lord, do I put my trust. Lord Jesus, Son of God, our Saviour, thank you that when we put our trust in you, when we put our faith in you, we find that you keep faith with us. In you, life has overcome death. Goodness has triumphed over evil. 
Forgiveness has won the victory over sin. Love has conquered hate. Give us the wisdom to live by those truths in this world where so much is wrong. We renew our faith and our commitment to you and your kingdom. May your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Glory be to you, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. One God, now and for always. Amen. There is a voice which must be heard. Let's stand to sing. We started our service with some words from Psalm 110, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Psalm 34 is one of those wisdom psalms addressed to those who are humble and gentle. gentle. And being humble and being gentle are important qualities because it is only those who are not so full of their own self-importance that are open to receiving wisdom from God and from others. And Psalm 34 verse 11 says, I will teach you the fear of the Lord, and what follows is practical wisdom. And the psalmist says, if you love life, you want to enjoy its goodness, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Watch 
your tongue. Hold your tongue. How many had, as children, had parents say that to them? Hold your tongue. Watch what you say. Prudence is all about having the capacity to plan ahead. And it starts with being able to control what we say. Because the prudent and wise person doesn't say the first thing that comes into their mind. Can I share that again with you? The prudent and wise person does not say the first thing that comes into their head. They will resist the instinct to lie to get themselves out of trouble. They will express their frustration by swearing. They won't hurt others by uttering thoughtless words that are unkind or hurtful. James says if you can keep your tongue under control, you can control every other part of your body. Because the tongue is a restless, mischievous, evil thing full of deadly poison. What we say and how we say it is a measure of our wisdom. On your tables, there are pictures of well-known, they're in the envelopes, well-known proverbs about prudence and wisdom. I'm going to ask if you can identify them and establish the link between them and prudence. One is an odd one out because it's not a well-known proverb. It's actually a parable of Jesus that has to do with prudence. Can you identify the parable and say what it has to do with prudence? And when you've identified the all and established the link, put your hand up and there's no prize for the first table, but it would be good to be the first table. If you're watching online or in the balcony or you haven't got pictures, can I invite you to apply your minds? Can you think of well-known sayings or proverbs about prudence? Do well-known sayings or proverbs about prudence come to mind? And if you want to look up the parable, they're not allowed to hear it down here, but it's the start of Matthew 25, okay? If you want to read the start of Matthew 25, you can find what the parable is and what it has to say about wisdom and prudence and planning. It's just a few minutes, identifying the pictures, what have they got to do with prudence? When you've got them, stick your hand up and the first table to win gets a round of applause. Feel free to join the table. Come down and join the table if you want to. If you haven't got pictures, what proverbs can you think of about prudence? What is the parable at the beginning of Matthew 25 about? What does it have to say about prudence? Just to remind you why we're doing this, we've been looking at the four cardinal virtues. We've been looking at justice and self-control and courage and prudence is the last of these. Prudence or wisdom is the last of these. Those of you also wondering why we're looking at secular proverbs in the Christian service, there is wisdom to be had in the world that has its origin in the Spirit of God that doesn't necessarily find expression in the Bible.
Are you done? Okay, we have a table that's done. Thank you. In the balcony, did you think of any well-known proverbs or sayings that have to do with prudence? No, you're either daydreaming or reading the parable. That's fine. That's okay. Okay, so Blaze, your table's done it. What, what pictures have you got and what are, the, what are the proverbs that come out of them? Do you want to come out or are you going to do it from there? Come out. So many people... Show it, show it to people so they can see. I think this was the only one that we could not figure out. Okay. A stitching time saves nine, okay. But you're a bloke, that's okay. Think before you leap. Look before you leap, yep, absolutely. Well done, thank you. Get your foot out of your mouth. <laughs> open yes. mouth, insert foot. People that open mouth, insert foot. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Think before you speak. Engage brain before putting mouth in gear. Yep, yep. You can't remember that one. I can't remember this one. So there's no, none so blind as those who cannot see. It wasn't actually that. The blind leaving the blind. Sorry. The blind leaving the party sighted. There's not that either. Any other suggestions? Be prepared. Arguably. Sorry. Not turning a blind eye. No, no. Okay. What's what's the guy? What's the guy at the top wearing? A helmet and goggles, which is all. Sorry. Safety first. Better safe than sorry. Better safe. Better safe than sorry. If my son, the health and safety expert, were here, he would have got that. There we are. Okay. Right. Carry on. Got the ostrich, which would be. Sorry, what's that? The ostrich. The ostrich, what about the ostrich? <laughs> Don't put your head in the sand, thank you. Okay, lovely. The early bird gets the worm. Okay, fantastic. What do all these have to do with prudence? Think before you do anything. Plan ahead. Think carefully. Plan and prepare for the future. Those who fail to plan, plan to fail, as it's been said. Uh, and this one? This one would be the elephant in the room. So it, it could be, but it isn't. No. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Yes, there we go. Okay, lovely. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> and this one. The ten virgins with the lamp. The ten virgins. Five of them were stupid. They took no thought for the future. They weren't prepared for the bridegroom arriving late. Five of them were wise. They brought extra oil with them just in case it was going to be a long time. The parable is all about prudence and wisdom and taking care in planning for the future. God doesn't expect us to walk in blind faith. God has given you a brain, use it to plan and prepare carefully for the future that's coming. Blaze, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Start. Thank you. Brilliant. 
And we said we'd give the winning table a round of applause, even though we didn't get them all right, so we're going to go for it. Got to find the right bit of paper now. Okay. I'm going to ask you to say this after me, because this is another word of wisdom from Psalm 34:14. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Can you repeat those words with me? Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. You know, without prudence, without wisdom, without planning, our natural inclination is just to drift into doing what's wrong. It's a call to us to change the direction of our lives, turn from evil and do good. It's a decision. If we don't decide to do that, we will naturally drift into stuff that is wrong and harmful. Goodness doesn't come easily or naturally to us. We won't do good unless we decide to do good. It takes a decision on our part. Seek peace and pursue it, it says. You won't stumble across peace by accident. Make it your aim to live at peace with others, with yourself and with God. Seek peace and pursue it, it says. How far will you have to go to find peace? No distance at all. Whatever direction you're heading in, just turn round, turn back to God, and the God of peace is there for you. Ask him to bring his peace into your heart, your life, and your situation. You still have a problem. The God of peace is here. Most of us aren't really very close to God when we start out. And what's more, we're heading in the wrong direction. And the further away from God we go, the more we head towards guilt and fear and isolation and things that are wrong. And often, we don't know what we can do about it. I remember once, uh, before I was a Christian, thinking, it's like I'm on a train going somewhere I don't want to go, but I don't know how to get off. I don't know how to change. And what being a Christian did for me, as it does for everybody, is Jesus gives us an opportunity to say, I want to be different. And he gives us the chance to make a U-turn. This is what repentance is about. Actually changing the entire direction of our lives so that we end up heading away from guilt and fear and isolation and towards the good God of peace. Repentance isn't so much about feeling sorry for what you've done or feeling wretched about how you are. It is about changing the direction and the focus and purpose of your lives. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. It's turning away from this and turning towards God. And as we do that, Jesus meets us at the cross. And it's at the cross that he takes away the guilt and the fear and the evil and the sin and the things that are dragging us away from God. He sets us free from those. He enables us to die to the person we were and the person we would have become. And he enables us to live as people who belong to and to love and to serve the good God of peace. That's grace. And wisdom is recognising, hey, I'm going in the wrong direction here. Asking God for grace to turn you out, bring him back to yourself, setting you free from this stuff through Jesus' death on the cross and seeking the peace of God 
in your heart, in your life, in your situation, and in all your relationships. That's the difference that Jesus makes to us. You don't believe me? Listen to what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 23. God himself was pleased, he said. Can we have the words on the screen, please? God himself was pleased to live fully in his Son. And God was pleased for him to make peace by sacrificing his blood on the cross so that all things in heaven and on earth would be brought back to God, including you. Because you used to be far from God. Your thoughts made you his enemies and you did evil things. But his son became a human and died. So God made peace with you. And now he lets you stand in his presence as people who are holy and faultless and innocent. But you must stay deeply rooted and firm in your faith. You mustn't give up the hope you received when you heard the good news. So you don't need to cower down, you don't need to be ashamed, you don't need to, to bury yourself in the sand. You can stand in the presence of God because God has made peace with you through his Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. So can I invite you to stand? I'd like to stand as people who have been put at peace with God through Jesus. Because Jesus has taken everything that makes us ashamed and is wrong and is bad in our lives and set us free and given us his peace. The psalmist says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to love and enjoy life? Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Turn round. Give your life to Jesus and let him give his life to you. We're going to sing together, praise to Christ, the Lord incarnate, and celebrate what Christ has done for each of us.
And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.